Please follow as we read the word of God, beginning in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, we will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contributions to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Father, we come before you. Open our eyes, open the souls of our beings that we may hear. And Father, as you grow our faith and our understanding of you in everything and every aspect of our lives. Father, I pray that this will become a part of us. And this will become something that we are known for. Each of us individually. But Father, this fellowship collectively. That Father, people will marvel. The amazing things that you have done through the obedience of your people, through your love poured into our heart, and your grace overwhelming. Father, burn it into our souls that you are able. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking at this section, and I called it, if you look, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin, and I'm calling it God's Prosperity. How does God prosper us? And he does it completely contrary to what the world teaches. The world teaches that you need to hoard it and you need to save it. You need to collect it. And God says to truly prosper, you must give it away. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a real straightforward text. Uh, and yet it messes with us. I don't care who you are. You just don't make sense. I just don't see how this works. And yet... I haven't seen a person's faith strong enough to challenge it. So I don't know if you'll ever see how it works. But I do know that if you believe the word of God, it's amazing to me that we can look at God and say how massive and powerful he must be to redeem even one of us. If you think about it. And I mean, I can go to Peter and Peter says that the angels long to understand what it was that the prophets were saying. The angelic host didn't get it. And yet, when it comes to our finances, well, he can't handle that. It's, it's more complicated than that. 
And, and, I, and I don't believe it is, but um, that is where we are. We looked at verse 7, and verse 7 says that it is a special love that God gives to a cheerful believer. God loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son. That's His general love. But He also, for His elect, He also has a love for them perfectly. But this text says that those who are cheerful givers, and the word literally is the word we get hilarious from. Hilarious givers, he has a special affection for. It's the only time you find this in Scripture. And, and I, I'll show you over this week and next week why this is different. And you'll see why. So we moved into verse 8 and we started looking at the generosity of God. The generosity of God. Verse 8 says, He is able. Okay, right? And we all say amen. Okay, unless we've lost our jobs. Uh, unless, you know, we've gotten ourselves um, head over heels in debt. Uh, perhaps we have too many mortgages and too many credit cards and too many car loans and a few other odds and ends. And then we start wondering if God is able. And God is able. But then he goes on and he says to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. That's a lot of alls. That's a lot of alls. All grace abound to you. Okay. The God of infinite grace wants to make grace abound to you. Just let that ponder around in your head for a second. The God of infinite grace wants to give a cheerful giver an abundance of grace. Well, well, how much would that be? Well, it would be infinitely abounding. That's like a lot. Okay? That is how his generosity starts. But he makes it so he, he wants to explain it to us because so that always having all sufficiency in everything. <laughs> and, and, and I see how it hooks together. If I've got the God of infinite grace wanting me to abound in that grace, then I should have always have all sufficiency in everything. The word sufficiency used by Greek philosophers is contentment. Is contentment. That you would have contentment in everything. Now then, are we starting to kind of get an idea of his generosity? Are we? Just maybe a little bit? Because he uses terminology in everything that always having all sufficiency, that all grace abound to you. Okay, um, I'm trying to figure out where the, the, the loophole is. Where will I be lacking? Okay, and, and you're not going to find it. But Paul, being the scholar that he is, in verse 9, because I want you to have this abundance for what? Every good deed. If, if you run into somebody who is a cheerful giver, 
who does it not grudgingly, who doesn't do it by compulsion. They do it because it is the passion of their heart. Okay? Where did that passion come from? God. God put it in there. And He wants that to be fulfilled. Well, one of the things that I've learned about cheerful givers are, they don't stop. They're always looking for good deeds. Okay? And, and the true emphasis is through the body of Christ. Remember how he began chapter 8 is that, hey, Corinthians, you need to give like the Macedonians. They gave sacrificially out of their poverty. All right, you need to be like that. He's saying, you know what the Macedonians are doing? The Macedonians were begging to give more. Now, I can honestly say that in my years as a pastor, I've never seen that. Okay? And I think that if I ever did, I could probably have a coronary. And, uh, and then that might, might be good for me. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul lays this out because he says, I want you to understand this. And so he quotes Scripture. And he quotes Psalm 112, verse 9. Here's what it says. He has given freely to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Is the original text. Okay. If you scatter like a sower, you will be giving to the poor. You'll be helping the needy. Those in the body of Christ that have need. And God will cash that in. And how does he cash that in? His righteousness endures forever. I made a comment this morning in Sunday school that if you took a hundred Christians and you asked them, define for me righteousness, you'd probably get a hundred answers for what righteousness is. And I'm not sure you'd get any that were right. Okay, so I'm going to give you the definition, the biblical definition of righteousness. Okay, right standing before God. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. He's absolutely holy and pure. How do you rightly stand before God? Well, that's the Lord's table. You have been bought and paid for with a price. You are not your own. All right? So you are now right standing. You are clothed in whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. When he looks upon you, he sees Christ. Okay, now how do you know that? Thought you would never ask. Okay? Go look at your checkbook. How do you give to the Lord and to the things of the Lord? Simple question. Why? If you're right standing before God, where's your trust? It ain't your checkbook. It ain't your bank account, your 401k, your 501k, your 603k, or any of them other Ks. Okay? Has nothing to do with it. You know, and I, I watch people, I just don't get no interest on my savings account. Well, praise God, you got a savings account. But your righteousness, according to David in the Psalms, is 
His righteousness endures forever. Why? Because He has given freely to the poor. How does He do that? Through those who have much. Because if you read the whole psalm in its context, verse 3 says, Wealth and riches are in His house, and His righteousness endures forever. You know what's amazing about that? That is how blessed is the man who fears the Lord. The man who fears the Lord, wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Did you see that? When you think about righteousness, what do you think about? Because this text says that your righteousness is directly linked to what you give. Or what you don't give. It is a righteous sowing. That behavior of giving sacrificially so that, and you're doing it cheerfully without grudge and without compulsion, you doing that, God remembers forever. Righteous sowing. The righteous is the one who fears the Lord. He worships the Lord. He has a reverence for the Lord. He has an adoration for the Lord. That one. That one will prosper, verse 9 says. He has given freely to the poor. That one. That one, the righteousness endures forever. God does not forget. God will never forget that righteousness. He will never forget that right standing before Him. Because it is based on the adoration of that individual to a holy God. And He, God Himself, will replenish. He, God Himself, will reward. He, God Himself, will do it in time and eternity. For he, verse 6 says of Psalm 112, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. That is that principle that you see in verse 6 of chapter 9. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully and God is able verse 8 says God is able he will keep his promises okay if you go back to your text because you know when I read through this I had to go back to the original language because there's so much uh, there's so many emphatics in it and they're in it and he parses the word all in about every way that you... There's five different parsings of the word all in this. And that's why you see everything, all grace, all in all things, abundance always. And, and you see all of this over and over and over again. And Paul just goes crazy in that verse 8. But he says, in verse 9, I will quote the psalmist. Okay? But then he goes to verse 10, because in verse 10 he says, I want to show you the magnitude of this. Now he who supplies 
seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply. Hmm. Who is that who supplies seed? Who is the one that gives the seed to the sower? Well, that goes back a few years. Just a few. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit of their kind, with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay. God in one day created all vegetation. One day. The entire planet. And all of its seed, trees, fruit trees. Okay, listen, it didn't come from the seed. It came out of nothing. Now, you, you heard the goofy question. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Day four. Chicken. And it did what? Laid an egg. Okay, so which came first? The strawberry plant or the seeds? plant okay go across the board all of it it all had seed it all had the ability to reproduce and it did and guess what it still does they made a comment i was watching some of the weather reports in california has gotten 4.3 inches of rain in 24 hours last year they had 3.15 inches of rain last year. Okay. And everybody says they got four inches and four and a half inches of rain. Yep. In one day. Okay. But their average rainfall is 15 inches. So don't get excited. <laughs> it's, it's just all going to run out in the Pacific and come back. God gives the seed to the sower. God is the supplier. God supplies the grain. God supplies the oats. God supplies the barley. God supplies whatever it takes these days to make bread. And it all comes from where? From God. God is He who created. God is He who provides. It All the seed and all of the grains. It all comes from Him. Even the gluten-free comes from him all that is made to food guess what god made god will supply that's what paul is telling you and i in verse 10 and the corinthians now he supplies he supplies but he will also multiply if you take one corn seed and you don't cook it and eat it off the cob 
That's what I thought it was for. But if you took that one and you plant it in the ground and it grows one plant, will it produce one seed? No, hundreds. He multiplies it. And he has done that for a few years. So I would have to argue he's a little bit on the faithful side. Okay, even in the midst of droughts, there's still things that grow. We used, I grew up back east. And uh, we had a lot of corn around us. And we used to have a saying that says, knee high, 4th of July. Okay, your corn, you're going to have a decent corn harvest if the corn stocks are knee high at 4th of July. Okay, and you used the harvest mid-August. And they were usually over your head by then. Okay. But I remember a few years when we didn't have knee high at 4th of July. And I mean, as kids, you may not know this, but I, I grew up in this. As kids, if you run through the corn rows, it's a blast until you get to the other side. And you realize that all them big broad leaves have cut you <laughs> all over the place. And you don't know it till the other side because we get to the other side. All of a sudden the sweat starts working and it starts going through all these cuts. And you're like, well, that wasn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was. Okay. But I remember a couple of times I could run through the cornrows and you didn't get nothing. Okay. You didn't need a combine. You could go pick the corn handful of kids in about a half an hour, 45 minutes. Still good sweet corn. Yet it was still multiplied. He who supplies the seeds to the sower and the bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed. He'll do it. And it's, it's kind of com- just amazing to me. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, you really should mark this one down because I'll show you in a minute because it speaks of, I was reading Linsky on this and he says, how reliable is God? And I'm like, I don't know that I've ever heard God called reliable. (laughs) So, uh, but I will make a note of that because that's a fascinating word to describe God who spoke existence into being. He's reliable. Verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You know, what's amazing about that verse right there. (laughs) Verse 10 describes the hydrological cycle. We figured that out in the early 1900s. Do it a few years before that. Isn't that what the water does? It evaporates into a cloud, comes in the land, hits a mountainside, condenses, rains, runs down the rivers and the valleys, back to the ocean where it condenses again, hits a cloud, squashes out, keeps coming back. I was remembering or listening to a scientist one time describe, you know, we, you hear us talking about we're wasting water. Okay, Uh, we have wasted less than a liter of water in the entire creation of mankind. That's because some clown left it on the lunar lander on the moon. So when we run out of water, I'm going to get my rocket ship and go up and get the last liter and be a billionaire. We're not running out of water, people. 
We are recycling it like we have always recycled it since God spoke existence into being. And even science says, yeah, you're recycling the water. But sometimes you get droughts. Yeah, but we got golf course in Phoenix. Okay, if you fly over Phoenix, it's an amazing aberration when you get over the city. You see these little blue spots, which are swimming pools, with all of this lush green around it in baked tundra. And you think, wow, that's kind of peculiar. And, you know, then they tell you, unless you get a tea time about 4.35 a.m., you've got to get off that golf course by 9 because it will be too hot. And um, I'm just not that good a golfer to get off that quick. <laughs> it all comes from God who spoke it into being. And as Linsky would say, he is reliable. He is the creator. He is the provider. He is God. And he daily in the realm of nature provides all of the resources for man's life daily. In spite of man. And you know what's really amazing about it? He never fails. He never fails. He will fulfill his promises. He always has since he spoke existence into being. And my question would be to you, do you believe that? And if you say yes, then you always know I have a second question. Are you a cheerful giver then? Are you sowing sparingly or are you sowing bountifully? Because he has showed himself reliable. He is faithful. He provides the seed and it goes on and on and on and has since creation. He has provided the grain. He's provided the food. And he continually provides. Even in the droughts. Joseph took over as leadership in Egypt. Why? A drought was coming. A national famine was coming. Why? Then we will stockpile it. But you know what? God had told him, here it comes. You got seven years of plenty. You got seven years of lacking. And guess what? He was reliable. He was faithful. All of his creatures on all of the planet Earth, their needs are filled with the food of the Earth that he continues to bring. He makes the rainfalls. Did you know there's a great debate going on? You may not have heard about it. It started out with Global warming. But we've had one of the coldest winters on earth, so it must not have been global warming. So we call it climate change. Did you know, have anybody heard about it? Did you know that God's doing it? You know, I I have a friend who uh, is working up in North Dakota in the oil fields. (laughs) He grew up there and he came down here and he worked... For a while, and then our economy, if you've been around, you know how it went. And then he went back to North Dakota and made more money than he, than he ever had since. And he says, do you hear this about this polar vortex thing? And I said, yeah. And he says, we call it January. 
And I said, well, yeah. And he says, dude, the only thing between us and the Arctic Circle is a barbed wire fence. What did you think is going to happen? Okay. I was like, well, yeah, Daryl, I know. He said, well, you should come up. We can drive trucks around and make six figures. Still North Dakota, dude. (laughs) I mean, if you're from North Dakota, there's a reason you were from there. Okay. (laughs) I've been to North Dakota and I thought, well, we, we should give this back to Canada. But anyway. He controls the seasons. You know, climate change. Yeah. Fall, winter, spring, summer. Climate change. I have friends who are in Orel, Russia, who are praying for global warming. They think that would be the greatest thing in the world. And yet, God who is kind to all humanity is especially kind to his own. Those who are called by his name. But even those who are called by his name, he has a unique grace to those who give generously. That he multiplies their provisions. And I wish you guys would get a hold of this because he's not talking about, you know, if I give an extra hundred dollars, I'll get an extra hundred dollars worth of spiritual blessings. That is not what this text says. This text says, if you give of your resources, God will multiply your resources. And in the midst of that, you will also start understanding his righteousness. And in that giving, that righteousness will be multiplied and you will have a special place because he will remember that righteousness forever and ever. And people say, well, that's crazy. We're going to be standing up there. We're all going to be righteous. No, it's not. Let me share with you something. Go to the book of Daniel. And I'll make you do your homework on it. Daniel had a prayer. And he didn't get an answer right away. Sounds like me. But he didn't get an answer right away. And an angel came and he says, Daniel, you who are of stature in heaven... Do you think about that for a second? You know what he just said? Do you understand that's before the cross? Men don't go to heaven. And yet Daniel was well known and exalted where? In heaven. Okay, so the only thing that's in heaven at the time of that book is the Godhead and the angels that hadn't fallen. And yet Daniel is exalted in heaven. But his sin ain't been paid for. How is he exalted? Look at his righteousness. You see it all over the place. It endures forever. Think about this for a second. God in heaven is absolutely perfectly righteous. You understand that, right? We all, amen. Okay? If... I am saved, then I am clothed in whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. And that endures forever. If I'm a cheerful giver, it is a magnanimous action of that righteousness, and it endures forever. 
Because that person's heart is absolutely bent toward the things of God. Period. I'm not holding on to this world this tight. I'm holding on to the things of God this tight. And that is God's righteousness in that individual being fleshed out. It is seen. And he will return the seed that is sown. And he will multiply it. That is the promise. And if you go back to Linsky, you can say, and God is reliable. He is as reliable as the water when it is condensed off the ocean, becomes a cloud, is pushed against a high pressure, condenses into rain, falls down upon the mountains, falls to the streams, the rivers, and the valleys, goes back to the oceans, so the process can continue again, and that there shall be growth of the vegetation. And you know what? I've been through droughts, and I've been through blessings. But there's always growth. I have never seen a time when things ain't growing. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, the ladies like to have flowers. Oh, I've got to water my wife's plants. Oh, well. Um, look, a rabbit. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so if anybody's got some plants, I have a list of plants I need to replace. Uh, I mean... I mean, one's a cactus, it should be fine. Uh, if it, I'm talking about vegetation that is outside of your house. If you leave it alone right now, will it stop growing? What if it doesn't rain no more? That's one of the amazing things that I, I learned. I come from back east. Where it's, just, it's muggy. I don't care what, where, what time it is. Here, we have that stuff we call it dew. That's amazing stuff. I mean, you walk across the grass and your feet are soaked. And you keep thinking, did it rain? Well, driveway's dry. Sidewalk's dry. What is that? Well, it's dew. Why? God watered it. Even in the midst of droughts. Some of you have been born and raised in Colorado, and you know that it's really cool up to about mid-June. Then it goes to a really magnificent shade of brown. Okay, and then August comes and it becomes a magnificent shade of dusty brown. Okay, and then you hope that snow falls so that your grass will quit crunching. Right? And it does it all the time. Last year, though, August, it looked like we were in Ireland. Why? Climate change. (laughs) I was waiting for a polar bear. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? He always provides. It may not be to the degree you would like, but he always, always, always provides. He always will multiply. The seed to the sower, bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. Now then, here's the the key to this. He multiplies your seed for what reason? For sowing. It goes back to what he said. In abundance for every good deed. That's amazing. Why? I will multiply your seed. I will supply and multiply your seed for for sowing. You should underline that. You want to see more? Sow more. 
It's that simple. There's a principle again. It is to be re-sown. God puts it on your heart to assist the saints. You know, I look at the guys that we're sending out from the Ukraine. I look at the guys that we have taught and trained up. And, you know, we moved into an area that was the size of the Carolinas in Virginia. There was two churches, one on the north side of town, one on the south side of town. We have 17 Bible preaching churches right now, and the pastors are taken care of. We have multiple houses of prayer that some had been donated, and we helped restore them. In Vets region of Belarus, we've built two houses of prayer. This congregation... Built two houses of prayer, two church buildings, nice buildings. That group of people have baptized 758 people last year. Who sowed? Us. Okay. Now, I hate to tell you this. I believe this text and I want to multiply. I've been in the Baptist denomination all of my existence and as a saint, and all they do is divide. I want to multiply. I think it's awesome. It will be re-sown if you multiply. But if we want to hoard it up, we're in trouble. God will supply what the people, the giving people need. The giving people, that heart of that hilarious giver who's doing it without grudge, without compulsion, God will multiply. I've seen it. I bear witness to it. The Apostle Paul tells me, the psalmist tells me. And yet I see a rich church. Church that was very affluent. A church in a community that was very wealthy. And he says, you know what? You're neither hot nor cold. You actually, in the terminology of the Greek language, make God want to vomit. And then I see the Macedonians. That's the churches in Berea, the church in Thessalonica and Philippi. And he says, you are poor, but out of your poverty, you're begging to give more to help the saints. Seed is sown and the harvest comes in. And when the harvest comes in, it always comes in less than what you sowed, right? Never. You sow it, God multiplies it. Who gives the seed to sow? God does. And God returns it. He multiplies it so it may be sowed even more. And I had, had have people, you know, we, we sent Emmanuel's child stars and we usually send 50. This year I said, let's step it up to 100. And everybody said, well, we can't do 100. Well, you're right, we didn't. 103. And I don't even know how we got an extra three, but <laughs> we did. Okay. I don't know how we did it. Everybody says, well, how do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know this. God is reliable. <laughs> I just found that fascinating. I've heard God called a lot of things. Reliable is not what I thought it was. I always thought like you bought a car that was reliable. Okay. Um, and then sometimes you don't. And they call that a lemon. Okay. Conclusion is to increase the harvest so God's righteousness is seen in the individuals and collectively. And I'm going to deal with this more next week. This righteousness and how giving and righteousness are interchangeable. And you can't separate the two. Can't separate the two. It's ever expanding if you think about it. If I keep sowing seeds, what happens? I get a bigger harvest. 
If I sow more seeds, what happens? I mean, if you take my corn analogy and I take the one kernel and I get one stock. Okay, I take that stock and I plant all of those. And then I take that stock and I plant all of those. Then you become a farmer. No. <laughs> right? That's the analogy. And we all sit there going, yeah, God does that. I made a statement a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what? This text will test your faith. So I'm going to ask you, you believe it? And if you say yes, then I will ask you the second part. Are you sowing sparingly or sowing bountifully? The path of prosperity is for the purpose of re-sowing. God's given it to me so I can give more. And the whole purpose is to increase a harvest of righteousness. You know, I, I, I watch the people who come to salvation, uh, whether it's in the Ukraine or whether it's in Myanmar or whether it's in India or whether it's in Russia and all the rest of it. And it's funny because none of them ever use the terminology that we use. You never hear them say, well, I received Christ or I accepted Christ or I said the sinner's prayer or any of these other things. You'll never hear them say that. They all say the same thing. And I don't care whether it's in Punjab. I don't care whether it's in Tenement. I don't care whether it's in Orel. I don't care where it's at. They all say the same thing. I came to repentance at this date. And I find that fascinating. Because there was a difference in their life and it was drastic. It was a complete change of direction. And, you know, I I had a a dear pastor friend of mine uh, in Kiev and he made a statement to me one time and he says, I pray for you guys in America. He says, because in America you add Christ to your life. He says, here, Christ is life. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. I read this text here and and I I told you about that woman. I, I had to preach a sermon um, they have a celebration for when Mary was notified she was with child. Okay, and it's nine months before they celebrate Christmas. And I happened to be the, uh, in Russia at that time. And so they said, well, and it was on a Thursday. And it's a national holiday. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, you know, it's, you go ask the average Russian what Christmas is, and they'll tell you that it's St. Nicholas's birthday. Okay, you ask them what Easter is, and they'll tell you it is the resurrection of God's son. You're like, well, how's come you know that and you don't? Well, Stalin got rid of Christmas. It made it illegal. But he didn't get rid of the resurrection. And they all know that. Anyway, I preached the, um, they asked me to bring a message, so I did. Uh, I brought out the last uh, three chapters of Revelations. And I said, this is what this baby is for. <laughs> I mean, we always think about the manger and all the rest of it, but here's what the baby was for. This lady came up to me afterwards, weeping. Okay, and and, and I mean, she was elderly. And she says, I had always wanted to understand that, and God brought you here to explain it to me. And I was like, well, you know, it's, you know, hallelujah. All right, she says, I don't have any money, okay? And uh, I was in Zemimfka. Zemimfka is a village of about 7,000 people, 5,000 people. And they have 100% unemployment. Okay, so everybody lives on some kind of a subsidy. 
She says, I don't have any. I, I would like to give you an offering, but I don't have any. So she walks up. She hands me a bag of eggs. She says, this is all I have. And, you know, you know, you guys know me. My first response is, boy, that's going to be tough to get through customs. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I took it back to the lady who was cooking for me in Oriel, and uh, she made me some Russian raviolis. That's the only thing I can describe. I don't know what they're called. They don't have enough vowels in their language. But she gave. And you know what? She gave us those eggs and it fed the whole class that I was teaching uh, that week. She sowed bountifully. Why? She gave out of her poverty. She was like the widow who gave two half pennies. But she gave to the Lord. Even now the Lord blesses the cheerful giver whom he has put a special love on. All right. Grow your faith, brothers and sisters. Testing. See if Linsky is right. Is God reliable? Is he? We ought to try it. I believe that this congregation can raise enough money to pay for the whole summer camp for ORL. About 400 kids, roughly 40 bucks a kid. Okay, I, I don't know what the numbers are yet. Right? But last year it was about 14 grand. All right, and he t- teaches the kids with Christians seven days a week for, um, and they stay at a camp that we help purchase. Okay, and all the people in the city want their kids to go out there because it's cooler, the temperature, it's cooler, and all they do is get immersed in the Word of God for seven days. Okay, is it worth it? I don't know if you're up for it. Get your passports. I'll send your butt over there. I'm not going because I've seen the size of their mosquitoes. <laughs> they're like a transfusion on wings. Okay? And they're, they're awful. They're the craziest critters I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, you smack them and they smack you back. <laughs> and you're like, jeez. Okay? You put bug repellent on and they get a buzz before they drain you. Even now, the Lord blesses a cheerful giver. Even now. And my question is, is that when I see God's prosperity work, then I know that there's a special love from God, and it is a a showing of His generosity to that person that He has put that special love on. Let's step up. Let's sow bountifully in Christ. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Apostle Paul. Thank You for Your Holy Book. Lord, I pray for Castle Rock Baptist Church. I pray that in all humility, we bow before your throne in awe. And Father, as we do that, may we be as the Macedonians, generous and sacrificial in our giving. But Father, I pray that we do it cheerfully, hilariously. And that Father, we with expectance in our hearts, watch what the hand of an awesome God who is reliable, can do and will do. Thank you, Lord, for your book. Thank you for your precious bride, your church. Father, thank you for sealing us in your spirit. And Father, thank you for the privilege of walking with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to the glory of you who spoke existence into being. In Christ's name, amen.